You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is of knives and night blooms. Chapter 20 Up into Owl's Gate. Not good enough. Dio paced the deck of the silken hair. It was only minutes since the cauldron had disappeared from sight behind them, and he was already feeling a twisting ache in his gut. By the time an hour passed, he could no longer pace. The cramps in his stomach had turned into waves of agonising pain in his chest that ebbed and flowed, sometimes almost tolerable, sometimes incapacitating. Even when that pain eased, the night bloom tattoo on his collarbone felt raw, like someone had been pricking at it with the edge of a blade. We should go back, said Nimoy, when she found him curled up against the wall of Calix's cabin. You need to be with them. They didn't want me, Dio said. That doesn't matter. She didn't deny it. My mother's bond wants you there. Some gladius he would make, if he let his hurt feelings and a bit of blinding pain keep him from his duty. Your mother wants you safe. I can take care of myself. He made a dry, pained sound. Nimue looked unimpressed. You're not going to do a very good job of protecting me if you keep shouting with pain all over the place. Who's shouting? He was doing an excellent job at keeping his mouth shut when the pain was at its worst, actually. Your face, Nimue said. It does the shouting for you. We promised we'd wait for them under Owl's gate, snapped Dio. But that's three hours away. I'm aware, Dio said, with gritted teeth. Please leave me to my heroic restraint. Nimue huffed, but she left him alone for a while. The pain eased an hour or so from their destination. Dio didn't mention it to Nimue. Didn't want her worrying that it meant something worse had happened. He couldn't be sure it was bad news for Calix. It didn't feel like she was dead. Nimue came up to him after a while, prodded at his chest with suspicion. Of course, she had noticed. You don't seem as troubled anymore. Perhaps that means they're fine, and they're following us, said Dio, managing a smile. Nimue was quick to assume otherwise. We have to turn around. We can't, Dio admitted, laying his head on his knees. A dull ache lingered in his bones, but that was a holiday in comparison to everything else he'd felt surging through his body today. Captain has his orders to sail for Owl's Gate, regardless of anything you or I have to say. Nimue rolled her eyes. You didn't trust yourself to stay on task? Icaros didn't trust me, Dio bit out. Nimue scrunched down next to him, not seeming to worry about sitting on the damp wooden deck. I hate this. I hate it more. She bit her lip, glancing up river. Perhaps we could slip away while no one's watching. Dio followed her gaze. I wouldn't. They were both facing in the right direction to see what happened next. 
the body of a dark-haired man in black thumped onto the deck out of nowhere in a rain of black feathers. River water cascaded off his feather brace jacket. His eyes were closed. That's not Icarus, yelped Nimue. Not the bow, either. Is there another one? The unconscious man looked entirely like a priest of the Black Raven. His long, dark braids spread out on the deck, as soaking wet as his clothes. He was quite literally the man of Dio's dreams. Aiden, Dio breathed. Al's gate was a majestic white temple that stood astride the width of the river, with ancient archways underneath that allowed ships to pass under on their way to and from Phoenix Burning. It was the largest centre of healing and surgery outside the cities of the Divine Kingdom. The archers were adorned with elaborate, grotesque stone carvings of owls, owls, more owls. There were ridges and plinths built strategically into the stonework so that real owls could nest and hover here at the temple sacred to the worship of the god who wore their face. There was a protocol for dealing with an unconscious patient brought by boat. Healers swarmed Aiden, lifting him up into a sling between two porters, then up into one of the towers that formed the lower half of the gate. Dio and Nimue, leaving the silken hair in dock, were escorted up through a narrow spiralling staircase into a high-ceilinged hall. The windows were arched with marble shapes partly covering some of the glass, but natural light streamed through. There were more owls inside, perched on rafters, gazing down at the visitors. How do you know this man? Nimue asked, in the brief period that the two of them were left alone, standing in front of the glass windows with the view of the busy River Divine sprawled out beneath them. Are you collecting priests of death? Not intentionally, Dio protested. It's a long story. We're so terribly busy right now. However, will you find the time? A ginger gold owl swooped along the corridor, gliding with immaculate precision to land on the window ledge in front of Nimue. A silver name tag hung from its neck, proclaiming that its name was Atticus. Birds do behave very strangely in this kingdom of yours, said Nimue. Atticus the owl leaned in, with what could only be described as a threatening expression. Nimue took one step back. I thought you studied diplomacy, Dio teased. I didn't finish my studies. Atticus took to the air again, swooping along the hall with the implicit invitation to follow. Dio took Nimue's hand, all the better to drag her along with him. If following this owl meant postponing the question of how exactly he knew Aiden, then all the better. We can't treat him, said the knight of the bright owl, folding his arms across his stocky chest. He was not young, with a shock of silver hair, and eyes that had clearly seen a lot of hard choices over the decades. 
This wasn't one of them. He hadn't even paused to think when he set eyes on the patient, merely stepped back and refused. Dio felt his chest tighten painfully. It wasn't the bond or the distance from Calix. He could feel her. She was fine, moving in their general direction. No, it was anxiety about the strange pretty man from his dreams. Lying on the narrow bed, Aidan looked grey and unwell. He'd still not woken up, even when dragged from the barge to this blinding white temple of healing. Why can't you? Dio protested. What's wrong with him? Is he going to... Surely knights didn't give up on patients this quickly, not without trying everything in their power. The knight looked irritable at being questioned. No compassion in sight. We don't have permission to heal this one. I give you permission, Dio said immediately. <laughs> Apparently, this was funny. Dio probably shouldn't hit the man. Nimue took over, clearly trying to prove that her diplomatic training was useful for something. Can you explain why you won't heal him? Can't, the healer corrected automatically. Not won't. He wouldn't do any good. Not here. Not him. There was something in the way he spoke, a combination of awe and distaste, as if he couldn't wait to move on from this particular patient. Dio realised he hadn't seen the man touch Aidan. Not once. Why? he asked one more time. One of your knights healed a priest of the Black Raven in front of my eyes, so don't tell me this is some kind of religious constraint. The healer put up a hand to stop Dio's righteous flow. This is not a priest, he said. And I wouldn't worry too much about him dying, if I were you. What is he? Nimue pressed. If not a priest... The knight of the bright owl looked surprised they didn't know. He's a god, of course, and he's not ours. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Instagram, Blue Sky or Threads at Tansy RR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week. <laughs>